I suppose that one of the greatest threats to the church and to individual believers is a threat that comes to our prayer life. And I guess if I was to ask you what perhaps is the most prevalent threat against our prayer lives, I suppose that we'd get all different types of answers. And I'm guessing probably the number one consensus would be something in the category of spiritual warfare. And of course, spiritual warfare really is a real thing, you know, that comes against us. It is evil spirits coming against our spirit. But perhaps, and I'm not able to hold together all of the Bible on this subject all in one, but I would guess that if we would look at the Bible to see what the number one threat to our prayer life is, it would be this. It would be losing heart. Losing heart. I don't know if... If I'm the only one here that has had to struggle with that, when you pray for something and it hasn't come, or you're praying for something and you've been praying for it for a long time, there is a weariness to that. There's a tiredness to that. Now, when we're in our glorified body and having no sin nature, then that won't be an issue. But in this life, under the sun, as a believer, we still have that flesh and we do get weary. Different, different situation, but similar, where Peter and the apostles were encouraged by our Lord to pray. Pray that you don't enter into temptation. And when he came back after about an hour, what did he find? He found them sleeping. And of course, when you look at that scenario and you realize they'd probably been up for like 15, 18 hours under all that stress, but here, here's our Lord's explanation of it. He says, truly the spirit is willing, but the what is weak? <clears throat> the flesh is weak. <clears throat> and so there is this losing heart or weariness or tiredness that is associated with a threat to our prayer lives. And I'm just going to use this as uh, really a launching board, but in Galatians chapter 6, in verse 9, Paul writes to this church, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And of course, one of the good things that we can do for one another is what? Mm -hmm. Praying for one another. And so I want to look at some passages that might give us a little bit of insight on the things that this world uses to cause us to lose heart or to be weary And then I want to look at three passages in the books of the gospel that our Lord taught about this on three occasions. 
And there are three different occasions. And so you know if the Lord brings us up three different times, then it probably is uh, a real threat. So if you look here in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, of course the thing here is not to lose heart, not to be to tire or to lose motivation. You know, when we're praying about something initially, we are full of enthusiasm, we're motivated to pray for this, and because we have God's mind on it, we have scripture on it, then we're confident that he's going to answer in his way. And then when we don't when we don't quite see it, right? on some form of immediate fashion, we can begin to lose our enthusiasm for what we're praying, to lose motivation or to to be weary or to tire out concerning it, to lose heart. And of course, in Galatians chapter 6, in verse 9, what is the thing that is causing the Galatians to lose heart or grow weary? Can you pick that out here in the passage? Doing good? Long. Well, doing good, right? But here, here's the threat. The threat is in verse 9. Don't lose heart in doing good. Why? In due time we will reap. In other words, what causes us to lose heart is the fact that we don't reap our prayers immediately. And, you know, somehow, and I'm with you on this, we're all in the same boat. We think that we can pray about something and it's, you know, we're not going to be praying like a farmer. You know, we're going to pray and then it's supposed to happen the next day, right? Right. But that's not the way it happens when you're farming, right? It's not the way it happens when you sow seed. The seed has to go out there. And again, I'm just using this as an example that it might take time. I'm not saying that prayer is seed or anything like that, but it just might take time for the reaping of the good. And of course, the good here goes beyond just praying, but we're talking about praying. So we lose motivation and enthusiasm when we have a lack of reaping with our prayer life. If you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is speaking concerning this glorious ministry of the gospel, a glory that far exceedingly excels the temporary glory of the giving of the law. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, what a glorious ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. And so there is the danger of losing heart. Well, what what is the thing that we need not to lose heart? We need mercy. Okay, But what's causing the losing of our heart? Well, we could look at several things, but look down at verse 8. We are afflicted in every way. but not crushed. There's your mercy. Perplexed, but not despairing. That's mercy. Persecuted, but not forsaken. 
struck down but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the what? The dying. And folks, one of the things that really causes us to lose heart is when various afflictions or distress or perplexity or persecution are basically being struck down. We, we would use this kind of phrase, having the rug pulled out from underneath your feet, right? Struck down. <clears throat> These are some of the things that causes us to lose heart. And I think that if we just examine ourselves with this, I think we all can agree that it does cause a losing of heart. You think about one of you asked to be praying for our church. You just think about the word, think about this word, perplexity. Not knowing what to do. It's tiring. It is wearisome. And it can cause us to lose heart. But what we need not to lose heart is mercy. And that comes from the God of all comfort. He gives us that mercy. Everybody see that? All right, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 16. Paul's going to pick this back up. In fact, in another Bible, I've got chapter 4 and verse 1 and chapter 4 and verse 16. I've got a little line connecting those two things. But in verse 16, he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What is the thing that can cause us to lose heart? It is our outer man decaying. And if you've been involved in hospital visitation, and someone's there lying on the bed, and you look at that person who you love with all your heart, and you see tubes and machinery and gadgets and IVs, and you see all this stuff there. And, you know, you look at them, and, and there is a weariness there depending on what they're in there for and how long they're there and the seriousness of it, etc. But there's a weariness of it. There's a weariness just to getting older. And so, and I think that, again, if we think about it, we know that bodily decay does tire us. But what is the answer to that? Well, We don't look at the bodily decay. We look at a spirit that's being renewed day by day by looking at the things which are eternal. And that is a gift and a mercy in and of itself. But again, we're we're in the situation where these are some of the things that can cause us to lose heart in all kinds of doing good, but tonight we're talking about the good of our prayer life. And then one last thing here, go over to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. 
Ephesians 3 and verse 13. And this is unusual because Paul here is not the one that is in danger of losing heart. But look at verse 13. Therefore I asked you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. So who, who are the people not to lose heart? It's the church at Ephesus, right? <clears throat> what, what was happening that would cause them to lose heart, that would put them in that danger? Seeing him in jail. Seeing him in jail. And the way I worded it is this, <clears throat> that we can look at other genuine believers' tribulations and trials and get discouraged. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. We could look at the trials and tribulations of a faithful believer and think, wow, what if I was in their shoes? You know, you can be thinking, I've been praying for them that the trial would be gone, but it's still there. All kinds of things that can cause us to lose motivation, to lose our enthusiasm for praying, to lose heart. And so I think, you know, these are very, very instructive. Let me just, here's the threats about losing heart. Lack of reaping. Perplexity. Bodily decay. Even looking at others' tribulations. One of you brought up the persecuted believers. You, you read about everything they're going through and, and there is a disheartenedness about that that can come over your spirit. And so all of these things, and of course these are not exclusive, but all of these things definitely can attack us and cause us to lose heart in all areas of good, but specifically what we're talking about is in the area of prayer. Now our Lord <clears throat> mentioned this danger at least three times in the books of the gospel. And in fact, when you think about this, when you think about him saying don't lose heart in three different time frames in three different parables, you've got you've got to come to the place where you say this is a real danger. It's a danger for a believer, it's a danger for a church. So let's just take these in chronological order. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. <coughs> Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew 7, immediately when I say Matthew 7, you know that we're toward the end of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And here he says, verse 7, Asked, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, <clears throat> he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who asked Him? Now, 
The phrase losing heart is not here in this passage, but it is intimidated in the passage when we understand these truths. The word asked in verse 7 is in the present tense. Now what that means is, is that it is a continuing activity. You could translate it this way. Keep asking. And so when you say keep asking, immediately we understand that we could grow weary of what? Of asking. And that's true with, again in verse 7, the word seek. It's keep seeking. Keep knocking. And the interesting thing here, of course, he's speaking to the multitudes, is that asked, you keep asking, the you is plural. So he's addressing the whole people out there, including the apostles and the multitudes. And he says that if we keep doing these things, it will be given to you, you will find, and it will be open to you. Why is this? Verse 8. Everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be what? He'll be opened. And so again, we have this perseverance in our prayer life. Now, what he's taking for granted here is that you are asking for that which is good. Now, why do I say that? Well, look at verse 9. If his son asks for a loaf. So a loaf would be a good thing, right? The son is hungry. He has a need. He asks for a loaf. Look in verse 10. If he asks for a fish. Okay, that would be a good thing. And of course, you know Jesus took the, the few fish and the loaves and he multiplied it. He's talking about the daily necessity of food. But then explicitly in verse 11, he says this, If you then, being evil, know how to give what kind of gifts? Good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven, note this, give what is good? So again, we're talking about not losing heart. We're going to be persistent. We're going to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, understood for that which is good. And of course, we've spent the last several Wednesdays talking about that the good thing that God is looking for in our life is fruit, right? And so if we asked Him for the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our life of love. Would He do that? He would do that. Now, folks, more than likely, it's not going to happen overnight, right? So keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Open your Bible. Keep on knocking, looking for those opportunities. And of course, God wouldn't do this. You wouldn't ask for something that is good from a good God and He give you that which is evil. God would not do that. 
So again, the underlying thing here is that we are not to lose heart in our prayer life, right? Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Now let's turn over to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 11. Here we have a second occasion in which he is repeating themes and instructions. And of course, I think you're aware of that. Jesus would often repeat truth as he went around from village to village. But I would say this, Luke chapter 11 is after Luke chapter 6. And you say, well, that's, that's obvious. Why are you saying that? Because Luke 6 is about the Sermon on the Mount. And Luke wrote in order. Right? So here we're at another occasion. <clears throat> Luke chapter 11. He gives to us this model prayer. <clears throat> verse 5. Then he said to them, <clears throat> Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door is already shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. For I say to you, asked. And he's going to go and repeat what we just already seen here in the book of Matthew. Now, I think we, I think we need to sweep a little th some things away. God is not the one that's in bed that you have to barge down his door. And if you keep nagging him, then eventually he's going to say, well, I know you're a believer in my son, but I'm not doing this because you're a believer. I'm just doing this because you're nagging me. Okay? That's not God. In a parable... Every parable has a singular point. And the singular point is given to us in verse 8, and that is persistence. And we know that because in verse 9 he goes and he says, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. That's persistence, isn't it? In other words, don't lose heart in your prayers. And the other thing I think is interesting and needful for us to understand here is why is this person banging on their friend's door at midnight? He has a need. They have a need. And I think that is instructive. Our persistence arises out of the intensity of the need. And folks, when you have an intense need, you're persistent about it, aren't you? Yes. But there's also this, you're also in danger of losing heart. 
And so God, God the Father, will surely answer our need because we're asking for what is good. This person's asking for bread, right? That's a good thing. We're asking for good because we have a need and God the Father will certainly give us what is good for us. So we should not lose what? We should not lose heart. And then there's the third passage in Luke chapter 18. And again, I'm just going to make the obvious connection that Luke 18 is after Luke 11, which is after Luke 6, which deals with the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. Luke chapter 18. Look at verse 1. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and what? Not lose heart or not faint. And then he said this. Here's the parable. In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. And there was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, otherwise by continual coming she will wear me out. So instead of her losing heart, who's going to get wore out? The judge is going to get wore out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, Will not God bring about justice for His elect who cry to Him day and night, and will He delay long over them? I tell you that He will bring about justice for them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? Now again, we're under the same thing. Did the persistent widow who did not lose heart, did she have need? She did have need. And of course, the illustration here is for us to keep asking. It's not that God certainly is not like the unrighteous judge. For one thing, God can't tire out, right? And so, but he's just showing this widow who has this need. She needs legal protection. So it's a good thing that she's asking for, as it were. And she keeps coming, she keeps asking. She keeps seeking. She keeps knocking. So folks, I think considering the fact that on three occasions at three different geographical locations, three different times, our Lord told three parables and each one of them He is saying to us, don't lose Now I want to remind us, it's not don't lose heart because you need to get God's attention. That's called vain repetition. You're not losing heart because you have a need. And the need is the thing that we're asking for. And the need is 
the good. The good. And as a pastor, and I've experienced this myself, have you ever have you ever asked someone to pray for you about something and then you just kind of went on your merry way and you may have prayed about it once or twice, but after a week or ten days, you, you absolutely forgot about the need. And then that brother or sister comes up to you and says, Did God answer your prayer? And you're like, Could you remind me <laughs> what I asked you to pray for? Well, what does that tell you? That the need wasn't very intense. Right? But folks, when the need is intense, when you've got to have it, and it is good, and it is scriptural, it's not that God is unwilling. It's not that you've got to bang the door down for Him to answer your prayer. It's not that you've got to nag Him and nag Him before He gives you something. It's not that you've got to spend 85 hours in prayer in order to move His arm to do this. No. We keep asking because we're confident that God Himself can provide the need. Now, that's all good. But I'll tell you this, my greatest struggle, even if I have an intense need, is to lose heart. Because I always think to myself, well, if I have this intense need, and if my child came to me with this intense need, I wouldn't make him wait a week. (laughs) Right? Would you do that as a human being? No. If you then, being evil, would give good gifts, okay, well, our Father gives good gifts, okay? You say, well, why might God wait? Well, the answer to that is multiple And there's mystery also. But folks, sometimes he waits because you need to sift through your own heart about the situation. (laughs) Is it really a need? Are you really asking for the right good? Are you praying the right scriptural things? Is there something about the Lord He wants to teach you while you're waiting for Him to answer this? I mean, there's just multiple things, right? as we take a look at this. So, again, I want to encourage you to be on guard about losing heart. It will creep up on you. And it will be slow. It could be quick. But it will creep up on you. And before long, I call it, you're down in the pity party hole and you're just all discouraged when the Lord wants you to just keep on what? Keep on asking in faith that he that is good will do good. It may not be the good you're praying for, but he will always do good. And at the end of the day, you will give God the glory for all that he has done. So let's go to